0: We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of Excel Church in IOM America. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos,
1: prayer and weekly message. Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of his people. the blessings that i cannot see like you, Thank you.
0: Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. This is our Revelation 220 series, and we're glad that you decided to join us today. We're on number 45. The title of today's message is called The Personage of Satan. Many people are waiting for some big red dragon to come out of the sky or out of the sea Therefore, many people today review the details describing Satan in the book of Revelation as symbolic. While there is some symbols located within this passage today, we're going to actually spend our time talking about the original Hebrew and what the pictorial Hebrew has to say about the meaning of dragon. Let's bring out a couple facts during our introduction With the second sign, a new personage emerges on the scene. The Revelation woman's mortal enemy, dramatically portrayed by another sign that appeared in the heavenly. Only in Revelation is Satan referred to as a dragon. Before that, he was called, among many names, a serpent. You can find more about that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And then again in 2 Corinthians 11.3. A dragon is far more terrifying, at least from the pictorial Hebrew perspective. Although in the organic Hebrew, the serpent is translated as a dragon, a monster, or sea monster, which is mentioned in Jeremiah 15.34. When red is added to his description, it communicates large ferocious and terrifying as the book of revelation brings out in our study the bottom line is satan is on a bloodthirsty rampage in the words of jesus quote he was a murderer from the beginning according to john 8:44 the hebrew word for serpent used in Genesis 3, verse 1, is used interchangeably in some text with the Hebrew word dragon. There's even more information about that in Exodus chapter 7, verses 9 and 15. In the garden, God referenced him as a serpent, or a snake, a reptile. But in the beginning, when he was on earth, he was not yet cast down to its belly. That shows up in chapter 3, verse 14. Likely it was more upright, a dragon standing upon two legs, cursed to walk on all four legs close to the ground, or slither like a snake. Red is a fitting color for this dragon, since he attacks both woman and and her child. We'll talk more about the details of what exactly the Hebrew defines the color red. Let's review our scripture for today. It's out of Revelation chapter 12 verses 3 and 4. It says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, And on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of the heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour the child. Looking at that red dragon, behold this great red dragon is none other than Satan himself, presented in living color. The red signifies murderous nature according to Revelation chapter 20 verse 2, Ezekiel 29 verses 3 and 4, and it's also mentioned in Jeremiah 51 34. All of the descriptives that are used to describe this revelation dragon were previously stated in the Old Testament. This is no ordinary dragon, I can assure you. This bad boy has seven heads, 10 horns, and seven crowns. What we begin to unfold in this chapter is what is predestined in Revelation 13:1. The strange-looking seven-crowned heads of the dragon refer to the powers of earthly dominions or territories. The ten horns upon these heads are classically believed to be the ten kings, who will rule over the ten kingdoms of the seven territories, his final empire. Yes, I truly believe that in the end, the world will be divided into seven primary territories, most likely the seven continents that presently exist. Let's take a look at a critical note here. By most standards, there are seven continents. Africa, Antarctica, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, and South America. These seven continents were strategically planned post-flood. So as the waters dissipated, God made sure in the end that it resulted with seven continents. You talk about a God who's in control of all things. Next up, we need to talk about removing the dotted lines on the map. It is believed that the boundaries of countries will be removed by the date and time. In this point in the book of Revelation, he, Satan will most likely place a king in charge of each of the continents. He will then use his unseen force to manipulate these domains. It would be wise for you to watch the political activity within each of these continents, who is attempting to take charge of the entire continent, and what the news has to say about it. The United Nations has had this plan for many years, placing one leader or chancellor on each continent. As soon as you hear more about border issues then internal affairs, the plan is well on its way. There's four phases to this development that has to take place, even though the UN has it in place in their plans. Phase one is to drop the border barriers and allow each country to pass freely from country to country within that particular continent. Phase two, uniting each country's laws to bring about unity, health care, transportation, domestic living, and anything else that comes under their socialistic plan. Phase three, appointing a continental territorial governor, a horn for each continent. Finally, in phase four, appoint a world chancellor to oversee the seven continents which is what the book of Revelation is referring to as heads. So let's take a look at the triune of the little horn. You probably have figured out by now that the seven continents is representing seven horns. What about the remaining three horns? Well, it's a good question. The remaining three horns, or kings, are most likely the beast, the world's CFO, the false prophet, head of world religion, and Satan, the Antichrist himself, who is referred to as Little Horn, according to Daniel 7. These three primary positions have, do, and will continue to cause the world to prosper. Money, religion, and politics. I have heard many funky ideas regarding the Red Dragon But only a few theologians have stayed with the primary elements of the continuous history that is revealed in the book of Revelation. This view keeps true to prophecy, present religious affairs, and beliefs that are going on around the world, and even the political events that match up with them, as well as the future prophecies stated in Revelation, all staying in harmony with this view of our passage. In any case, it certainly is something to think through carefully. Let's talk about the dragon's tail. Just to refresh our minds, Revelation 12, 4 says, And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth he might devour the child. This creature has a feature that is a bit intimidating. As this being is being tossed from heaven, he takes his coiled tail and sweeps out a third of all the stars in heaven and brings them down to earth. These stars are not little twinkle twinkle little stars. These stars are angels, sons of God, According to Job 38.7, stars have always been a word picture that God has used to describe angelic beings. In this case, these stars are most likely the third of the angels that Lucifer was responsible for under his charge while he was in heaven as an archangel. Remembering that there were three archangels during Lucifer's heavenly positioning, Gabriel, who was in charge of messages of God, Michael in charge of warfare, and Lucifer in charge of praise and worship. Each archangel had the charge of one-third of each of the angels created by God in heaven. The picture given to us here is that when Lucifer, soon to be Satan, was removed from heaven for rising up against the knowledge of God, according to Ezekiel 28. He took the third of angels under his charge. He swept them out of heaven like a dragon's tail sweeping through the heavens. Angels in the literal sense are extensions of a primary light. Even Satan was called an angel of light according to 2 Corinthians 11, 14, the primary light source being God himself, and the secondary light source being the stars and the angels. Scripture tells us that Satan, the red dragon, was once in charge of these stars. Read more about that in Isaiah 14, 12, and in Ezekiel 28, 12-15. Jesus' half-brother speaks of these rebellious stars. Jude 1.6 says, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Peter 2 addressed this issue in 2 Peter 2.4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment. It's difficult for us to imagine, but there was a day when this perfect creature, Lucifer, the Shining One, became cocky, arrogant, about his ability to play God, he decided to overthrow God, deceive the third that he was ordered by God to hearken unto himself, introduced evil to them as well as to heaven. He indoctrinated these third of angels, dirtied their holy robes, turned their shine into dark, tarnish, despair, and took them out with one sweep of his tail. The stars aligned with him and thus became demons, also known as devils or spirits. I don't know about you, but I have often asked the question of myself, how many is a third? Well, the word does not tell us exactly how many angels Satan led astray, but I can assure you that a third is a lot. There's enough demons on the face of the earth to harass every human three times over, and then some. Another critical note, most Greek scholars tell us that two verbs used in this passage are in two tenses. Swept away a third of the stars in heaven. The verb in this is present tense telling us the action is occurring at the time of John's writing. The portion of through them to the earth is a verb in the past tense, telling us the action has passed or has already happened. This discovery goes against all human logic and biblical reasoning. Personally, I want the verbs to both be in past tense, but that simply was not the case. This sheds light on the view that many of the corrupt angels departed when they did, while others continue to be deceived by him and depart until the prophecy's dates are fulfilled. Gotta tell you, I am not quick to believe this. The verb tenses are obvious and need to be carefully reviewed. What we must never forget is Satan is a very powerful and deceptive being. Jesus called him the prince of the world according to John twelve thirty one. Paul referred to him as the God of this world. Find that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In any case, Jesus, Paul, and the rest of God's teachers are right. The whole world is his domain for now. And the entire human race, outside of the indwelled Christians, will support his Antichrist system. Let's review the prophetic elements of red. So what's up with this color red? Remember in chapter 6, we revealed the purpose of the red horse and how he came to take peace from the earth. Red has been noted in history as the color of the almighty king's apparel when he comes to show off his strength to crush and dispense the enemy. Satan is and always has been a replicator. Red describes flaming heat, the intensity of wrath, battle-weary blood. And now God uses this color to describe the mocked power of of Satan in his day of glory. But we all know who truly deserves to wear those royal colors of red. At least I hope all of our listeners do. I don't know too many Christians that understand the temporary power given to Satan. From the first day he deceived Adam and Eve to these questionable hours of today... He has been horrifically jealous of God in his power. I am often asked why Satan is so determined to overthrow God when he can read for himself in Revelation how the whole story turns out. He loses. The answer is too simple. Satan is just as stupid on the last day as he was on the first Who in their right mind would try to take over the kingdom and throne of the living God? That was even brought up in Ezekiel chapter 28. It is the same dilemma with all who are deceived. Fact. Stupid beings never give up. In Satan's case, not even after the final battle of Armageddon. It is for this reason that God binds him to the pit of hell for eternity. Lucifer knew the order of God binds him to the pit of hell, but yet he continues in his constant deceptions as if he's going to win. Lucifer knew the order of God when he was in heaven. This didn't stop him from trying to overthrow God. The same is true for the end times. Just because God wrote down all the prophecies for us to read, including Satan, it doesn't mean this horrific creature will go down without a fight. Sin truly makes you stupid. Plus, there's an element of numbers we need to keep in mind. According to the Word of God, Satan has collected one-third of all angels and most likely... 90% of the entire human race, for almost 6,000 years. I would say he's quite successful at his deception. In his eyes, according to the numbers, he's winning. But if we look at Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Now could we not say this in this way? Enter through the narrow gate through Jesus Christ, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and life of Satan. The verse goes on and says, And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus is obviously telling us that the numeric value of those who go through the narrow gate is very, very small. And those who choose the gate of the Antichrist will be a great number. I'm a firm believer in the Hebrew tithing statistics. Of course, that's 10%. That's what the church is mostly known for. I believe those same percentages apply to the end times and that 90% of the people that lived or ever did live probably walked that broad road that led to destruction. Most likely 10% of every person who ever lived chose the narrow way. I will not be surprised if God reveals when I get to heaven that the 90-10 percentage was a prophetic numeric value of communicating the end times. In conclusion, we need to talk about quality versus quantity. God is and always will be into quality, not quantity. Satan, like most perverted leaders, is into quantity and could care less about quality. He just wants members who will burden the world with the disorder, anarchy, rebellion, darkness, gloom, sorrow, tears, death, hatred, murder, or any other kind of darkness that comes out of the life of Satan. Every act of darkness in his mind is a credit to his power. Our groom Jesus Christ is more than a match for him. Jesus is the only one who can appropriately deal with Satan's level of darkness. Humans are quickly deceived by Satan. Our Savior already drank from that cup, went to the cross to trap Satan, was resurrected to overthrow his power, and soon to come back to take back what belongs to his Father. Satan is a defeated being just waiting for his final round in the ring of fire. He will get what he deserves for harming the bride of Christ. When Christ comes to punish all who hurt his bride, it will be a day of reckoning that will not only be horrific, but will never be forgotten throughout all eternity. We cannot close this portion of the passage without looking at the latter part of verse 4. This red dragon stands ready to devour the woman's man-child. The ugly red dragon was not trying to destroy the woman, Israel, but the man-child, the second coming of Christ. Remember in Genesis when God said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is the time when the prophecy is being fulfilled. I know it took a few years, but a thousand human years is as one day to the Lord. According to Second Peter 3.8, In God's reality, this only took six days. That's not long for him. Keep in mind that there were many battles from Genesis to Revelation between God and Satan. And each time Satan got his face rubbed into the dirt by the living God. Why doesn't Satan get it? Folks, it's because stupid is as stupid does. When you're deceived, you can't understand truth. You have to have the deception lifted from you before you can see the clarity of truth. God is never going to lift the face guard of deception off of Satan because he is the definition of deception. Coming up next in number 46 is the man-child. And Israel gave birth to none other than Jesus Christ, Although this time it will be the second coming. He is to rule all nations with an iron rod. We the church, his bride, will reign with him. He will be the king of kings and the lord of lords at this point in the prophecy. He will rule with an iron rod and will reign with him through the power and authority of the throne of God that was referenced by David and David himself became the symbol of, which is the exact place of the Holy of Holies. Join us in our next message as we walk through the great reveal of Jesus Christ himself. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.